This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, there are things known and things unknown, and in between are the doors, as you ask and we answer. Plus, the evils of the dead, the worlds of Lego, the ladies of dynamite, and once again, Pete Venkman has a score to settle with a teenager. Team MSP has once again assembled from all corners of the globe with news, reviews, and the mighty poll of the week. So we just want to tell you both, good luck. We're counting on you. Because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it all the way to issue 627. We just wanted to say good luck. We're we, all have, we have made it here. And uh, man. There are want... no good jokes about the number 627. Well, I don't know anywhere, why you, ha- I don't know why you would have to make a joke. No, There's there are. But I thought, you know, could I make a joke about 627? No, I can't. Apparently, there's a Pokemon number 627. Sure. Oh, certainly. Or you could have made a joke about adding all the numbers and getting 15 and then found a 15 joke. You just had to get yourself there. Or maybe or if you went and it took it to the extreme, you would have found out that it equaled six. And you could find mm-hmm. out whether Glennis has your number and find out uh, if you're going to find romance this month or not. Or maybe you mm-hmm. could just say, hey, Rodrigo, how many parking tickets did you get last year? 16? Six to seven. Wow. Oh, got Six it. Six to seven. How many speeding <laughs> tickets did you get last year? More than that. Yeah. Uh, you guys like the Minecraft, don't you? Yeah. I've never really that. played. Uh, so Lego, which is essentially Minecraft, has come out with their own Minecraft uh, competitor. Mm-hmm. Really? And, yes. And first, the way that it came out was in the mailers, like whenever we get our, uh, you know, when you open up a box of new product or you get a little catalog or something in the mail, from Lego, it says, hey, check out this uh, this new world that's coming. And everyone's like, is Lego making a Minecraft competitor? And because I guess the cat's out of the bag, Lego's like, okay, we're dumping it on Steam right now. And uh, <laughs> you guys can play it now while it's in beta. And yeah. it looks very much like it's going to uh, <laughs> clean Minecraft's clock. Uh, the proverbial big that steaming would be... You don't think so? Well, Minecraft is one of the largest games in the world. Yes. And their founder just bought... He outbid Jay-Z and Beyonce mm-hmm. in a house in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I think Lego, while they certainly have a stronghold in the market because they're Lego and they are bricks that build things in the real world, there is going to be an uphill climb. Because Minecraft has a lot of things going for it. One, it's been around for a lot of long years. They so have, have Lego. They've they, been around since 1942. But the video game has not. And Minecraft has True. a very large strong following true with mods and let's plays and it's sure. very big and strong so they uh i mean while lego certainly can make a splash if you got on steam yesterday 
when the game launched, it was not even in the top sellers, even at what fifteen bucks. I don't know. I'm it was not, not sure in the that top sellers on Steam. It yesterday. did not. Um, it did not catch a lot of people's attention because I think because isn't it still in the beta release? It's in early it, access, yeah, but early access a lot release. of games go early access on Steam and do really. How really is it well. sitting now? I have not seen it today. Any thoughts on this, Rodrigo? Um. I'm kind of with Zach on this one. Um, the name recognition that Lego has mm-hmm. is going to draw non-Minecraft players to this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you looked at the like entrenched gamer market, <laughs> I can't imagine that anybody's going to switch from Minecraft. I don't know if anybody will this. switch. I don't know if they'll switch. Um, but I think it's going to. I think it's going to grab a pretty big chunk yeah. of that. Of that play world space, you know, build your own kind of world space kind of stuff. And the cool thing about it, the thing that I think is cool, is that everything that you see in the Lego game, you can actually build in real life. Right. Granted, you need enough bricks to do it, but uh, you could still build, everything is buildable. And I think that part of the engine is really cool because it's, I think it's the same engine that they were, or parts of it, that they used to make the Lego movie because of how they created the world and everything was, was based off the actual bricks. So... I think it's kind of cool. What about you, Matthew? Well, first of all, I would like to point out that 2009 is not a whole lot of years ago, Zachary. Well, for Zach but, it is. It's almost half nah, his For life. video games, I guess it kind of would be. I think what we have uh, yeah, is something that's, that's going to... That's a, that's a long, proud legacy in video game years. <laughs> oh, yeah, since 2009, yeah. I think that what we're going to see is... This is the proverbial other white meat for people who may want to play Minecraft type games, but for some reason don't play Minecraft or don't want to play Minecraft or, you know, people like Steven who are fascinated by the fact that, again, this is Lego. This is official Lego and you have the Lego. You can build the Lego. Yep. This is virtual Lego. So, yeah, yeah, I I think it's going to get people, but I I do agree with Zach. It's going to be a hard road to hoe because, you know, my my kid cried and begged for months to get minecraft and then i got her minecraft and then she's like oh well i need to upgrade or i need to do this and i need to do that yeah, yeah and we got her you know she actually has a stuffed creeper yeah we have some of those too yeah it's just weird stuff to me but again i'm sure my you know my grandparents felt the same way about asteroids in 1984 yeah what's really weird is that this game is coming out so close to the Lego dimensions. Now, granted, they're not the same game, mm-hmm. and Lego is always coming out with the Lego um, superheroes stuff and the you know the Lego adventure stuff, video games like Batman and the Marvel stuff. Um, but with dimensions just around the corner, this one was kind of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, you know what, this might be fascinating for though. What? If you're one of those guys who wants to get a bunch of bricks and build like a real life Millennium Falcon. Wouldn't this be something that would be a really great way to blueprint and break that down without first buying all well, the bricks? Well, you know, that is one of the things that um, there are some brick builders online. I think even Lego has one uh, mm-hmm. that is I don't think it's very good myself, um, but a lot of people have used it and then use that then to build out their um, to build out their their list of bricks to buy. So, yeah, maybe this would be a way to do that. Yeah, and I know in the couple minutes of gameplay I've seen that we posted on the site, um, that's what I post on YouTube, they were able to just select a set from a list mm-hmm. of things from the you know, the, the the screen, and they just said, mm-hmm. build it here, and it just built a house that their character yeah, could walk cool. into, and it was one of the sets that this guy personally owned 
and it builds himself. So, I mean, they have that going for them. That's cool. I wonder if it's going to be one of those things where if you buy the set, then you also have the ability to use it digitally. I haven't seen any codes yet, but I would imagine that something like that's going to come down the pipe. Sure. I mean, one of the biggest things that this game has going for it is that it is coming out after Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of the stuff, sure. a lot of the growing pains that Minecraft went through, this is not going to have to go through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I hope, though, is that if uh, when this game gets officially launched in its uh, final form, is that it has some staying power because uh, that DC MOBA, what is it, Legends of the DC Universe, not... No, 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 not Legends of the DC Universe. It's uh, it's the MOBA DC game. DC Universe Online? No, 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 it's not that one. I forget what the what the full title is, but it's one of those massive online battle arena games where you play all the DC characters. That is shutting down in August. Yeah. And I want to mm-hmm. say that that's only been out for, what, two years now? Yeah, Something we talked like that. about that Yeah, when and, it came out. And now they're shutting it down. So I hope it has a little bit more staying power than that. Uh, also, Heroes of the Storm, Zach, have you jumped on that? Um, I... I haven't played it since it officially released today. I played for like, uh, I don't know, maybe two hours when it was in beta last week. And um, I've never really played a MOBA before. And so it's a lot different and it's a lot more chaotic than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It made me uh, just go back into Hearthstone and appreciate the simpleness <laughs> of a card game. Because there was a lot of clicking in Hearthstone. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I've played League of Legends on and off just a little bit and StarCraft a little bit, but... I don't know if if I want want to get into Heroes of the Storm. Rodrigo, do you play MOBAs? Um, not really. No. What about you, Matthew? I don't know what that is. Massive battle arena game. Massive online battle arena game where you guys go in as teams. It's basically mm-hmm. like capture the flag, destroy the enemy's uh, mm. fort or you know base no, or whatever. I, and... My online experiences have been uniformly getting called a noob by twelve year olds. So yeah, I, I think it's not something been. I really seek out. Um, I do like but, Hearthstone, though. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I I played that for about twelve seconds. <laughs> now, I, it it comes to me. It's not that I didn't like it either. It's that I just I, I I don't do that. At one point, I was wrestling online, and it got to the point where every guy had the same moves because they had the same move set because it was the quickest way to get you. Yeah, they'd all do the spear, and then they'd all pick you up, and they'd all have some stupid custom finisher that took like ten minutes. But it you know it gets to a point where. Uh, I I kind of rather fight an AI in places like that. Although I did play Call of Duty for a while, that was interesting. Modern Warfare, the yeah, original. I'm trying to think what games I'm playing right now. Uh, Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. I got to build a new deck for that, Zach, so that I can beat you. <laughs> so that I'm ready for <laughs> Nertacular. So I'm ready for Nertacular. Oh, I can beat Zach pretty handily. Impossible. Right? Sure. Did we do a Zach plays where we did you and me against one another? No. No. All right, we'll fix that. Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Oh, I love Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Hearthstone is about all I'm playing. What about you, Rodrigo? I just picked up uh, Hyrule Warriors, so I'm only like six months behind. Um, nice. And I actually hadn't picked it up because I thought it was a fighting game. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was like a Street Fighter type fighting yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, uh, and then somebody is like, it's called Hyrule Warriors because it's Dynasty Warriors with legend of zelda characters and i'm like oh yeah that's different it's a lot of fun it's like it's a really fun game because what i really like about it is that it sets a very frantic tone it's like oh no all your bases are being (laughs) attacked what are you gonna do run around and kill things yeah yeah. but it's actually (laughs) like it really rewards kind of a very methodical gameplay oh that's cool so it's great because on the one hand you have 
everybody's screaming at you. And on the other <laughs> hand, if you just kind of shut that out a little bit and you're like, okay, I need to go over here and protect this base and I need to over here and retake this base, you actually start succeeding now, is at that a it. single player game or is it an online uh, game? Actually, or? you can play, I don't know if there's an online component, but you can play co-op. You can have mm. one person playing on the screen and the other one playing on that uh, weird giant uh, Wii controller. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I Those did pick up Witcher 3 the other day, but I haven't had a chance to play that yet. I have not played that. I yeah, have never you? played a single okay. one of them. I'm interested to see what it's like. And then, of course, the big news, uh, the countdown clock has started for um, Fallout 4. <gasps> I saw that today. Any interest in that? No, never played them. I, know I a haven't lot played it either. Them. I know a lot of people love that game, too, and it's on the whole online short film stuff that uh, a couple of guys have going on. You've not played it, Rodrigo? I've I've actually I've played some uh, Fallout Three, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, it's it's funny because uh, the person who gave me that game was like, "Here, play this," and I was like, "This is great. This is like Skyrim, except post-apocalyptic." And mm-hmm. I love Skyrim. I played yeah. it, and I was like, "This is terrible." And this person that gave me Fallout had the exact same opinion about Skyrim. They were like, oh, great, this is this is Fallout except fantasy. <laughs> nope, wait, this is terrible. Oh, so yeah, there is kind of some uh, disconnect there, which I guess you want. Yeah, yeah. You don't want the games to be identical, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in it because there, was, there were a lot of things about it that I liked. Um, there were just like just enough little inconveniences that I, I actually I, were kind of purposeful in the game. Like the game... Like Fallout Three really it, like makes you drag yourself with very few resources for a long time, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is just too hard." Like I keep running out of bullets. Like mm-hmm. I just like I hate running out of bullets. Oh, and then you have to go find. Some you have to somewhere. go. Like I have to like go dig up some bullets. No, that's not any good. <laughs> well, a lot of people like it. A lot of people like that idea because it's a post-apocalyptic game. Yeah, yeah. So it's limited resources. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. is. It is kind of what you want out of your Mad Max, right? Yeah, yeah. You only have six bullets and a car. Yeah, and like a bag of like like a plastic bag full of gasoline and like eight bottle caps and it's like okay you have to get across this wasteland and not get eaten by mutants okay it's like yeah yeah you can see the appeal yeah i can see that yeah Yeah, speaking of mutants um ash versus the evil dead television series the first kind of uh, longer (laughs) longer uh trailer has debuted now the series is uh, 10 episode long it debuts on stars this fall and of course it uh the appeal of it is it is bringing back uh, Bruce Campbell is Ash Williams. Sam Raimi is producing and he's directing the first episode. And it's got, um, uh, what's her face? Xena uh, Warrior Princess is in it as well. Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless is in the show as well, as well nice. as a bunch of other people. And uh, it picks up many, many years after um, Army of Darkness, where Ash is still working at S-Mart. He's just kind of become a slacker. And the evil dead has started to invade Deadites. The Deadites. The Evil Dead. Yeah, except it's not called The Evil Dead. It's just Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, then they're doing it wrong. You need a definite article. I don't know. Is it's, it still... Oh, it has to be The Ash versus Evil <laughs> yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Is it still Bruce no, Campbell the in this? Ash yes, Bruce Campbell. The versus mm-hmm. Evil Dead. Ash, Ash versus Evil the Dead. There you go. <laughs> Ash versus Evil Dead the? No. <laughs> Ash versus Evil Dead. That's what it is. Oh. Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. So you guys excited for this? Yeah. It seems here's 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 the thing. Like, it really seems to me like it's like it should be perfect. 
Should be. Because But if you've ever like, seen the director's cut of Army of Darkness, blah. Because it's like, what was great... It's like, when you see uh, Army of Darkness, yeah. it's like... That's that's like Sam Raimi at his like campiest peak, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you look at Xena Warrior Princess, that's like Sam Raimi at his TV peak, right? And it's like you think that bringing those two things together, it's like now Army of Darkness with the Xena formula should be a perfect show. I hope so. You know, and I hope like, so. But I mean, fans have been wanting sequels to. Yeah. Army of Darkness and Evil Dead for years, and all the time has been no, 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 no. And now they've finally got something cobbled out. I'm sure somebody backed up a big truck of money and said, here you go, make it. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that it will be, but mathematically speaking, this should be a great show. It should be. Uh, Zach. Yeah, uh, no. You you didn't know nothing about Evil Dead or Army of Darkness. I have watched the first Evil Dead. You've never seen Army of Darkness. scared me, no. Army of Darkness is really a lot of fun. I do know the cover of that. It's got a man with a chainsaw, I believe. Yeah, it's hanging on the wall there in the theater. That's probably why I know it. Um, Army of Darkness is really quite, Almost quite the opposite of what Evil Dead is. Oh, sure. Evil Dead is like this horror film, you know, teenagers at at camp and things go crazy. Um, Army of Darkness is like time travel, high fantasy, craziness, (laughs) comedy. Yeah. And it's... Um, That sounds way different. It it really is. And I I think if you watched it, you'd find there's a lot more laughs in that movie. Especially when the uh, little mini ashes start running around. (laughs) Matthew, what do you think about Ash versus the Evil Dead? Looking forward I to it? You, you're the ones that, that are this, big stars fan. Yeah, and this is the thing. This is the problem that I have. I am not the Evil Dead Army of Darkness fan that you are. I like them. I think that Ash is a really cool character. I think that Bruce uh, is a wonderful actor. I think that it's going to be a 60-year-old Ash uh, 25 yeah. years after the events of the movie, and that makes me wonder. Now, if you look at, like you said, the change from Evil Dead to Army of Darkness, they're not the same thing, and they're only 12 years apart. So, you know, it could work. It could be great. It, But I'm. it's not something that I'm immediately hanging my hat that I'm definitely going to see. I'm going to check it out because I happen to have the stars. Woohoo! But, yeah, it could go wrong. There, I, I can think of like five ways this could go horribly wrong. I'm going so we'll to reach out to our stars contact person and say, hey, can we get an early reviewer's copy of this? Ooh, there you go. Because uh, they keep trying to push that. What is it? The Outlander. Mm-hmm. They tr- keep trying to push that series on us to review. And I'm like, eh. I know we'll, it's uh, we'll review Outlander try. if you give us Ash versus Evil Dead. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Nothing like a little graft there. Well, listeners, we really appreciate that you download and listen to the show each and every week. And of course, sharing it with a friend. Uh, but there are other ways that you can now get the Major Spoilers podcast. First of all. We are now on Roku. I've mentioned it hintingly for the last, I don't know, six months or so that we were looking uh, for some other for some other options to get, um, you know, <laughs> the show out to you. And the holdup has just been on Roku's end. Apparently, they had so many shows backed up mm-hmm. that they finally got to us. And in the last three weeks, they've pushed it all the way through to the approval process. And now you can go and find the Major Spoilers Podcast Network master feed up on Roku so if you've got a device, go ahead and subscribe. We really appreciate that. I think one day after it went live, we already had over 1,600 subscribers on that. So yeah, yay there. If you are a fan of uh, Critical Hit you uh, and you have the Spotify service, look up, Zach. Have we popped up on the Spotify yet? Well, Critical let me Hit, pull my Spotify app open. Critical Hit is one of the podcasts that is part of the Libsyn uh, podcast launch 
on Spotify. So if you know that uh, Spotify made an announcement as about three or four weeks ago that they were getting into podcasting on their service, uh, Critical Hit is one of those episodes that is uh, supposed to be one of the launch shows for that. And uh, so you want to check that out. What do you find there, Zach? It appears that I have not been invited ah. into the super selective 1% of it users. Is. And that's the thing. That as, they're, as they're knocking out all of the uh, technical bugs, uh, they're only rolling it out to like 1% of their subscribers in the United States. What is it? Uh, UK and Spain or something? I forget. Mm-hmm. Germany. Maybe that's what it is. So if you are a Spotify member and you see the Critical Hit podcast pop up, well, let us know. Finally, you may have checked out our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video, this week and saw me do an unboxing for the Power Up box. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think this box that uh, that we got sent was the higher end box, which is like six to nine items per month. And in it, you get Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and other type stuff, including um, those little pop vinyl figures that everybody loves. Yeah. And we've got an affiliate link. So if you're interested in getting a power-up box, just head over to Majorspoilers.com. They're in the middle of the page. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see the power-up box uh, ad. Click on that. And then if you sign up, we get a little bit of uh, a little bit that, that comes back our way. Same way with our Amazon link. If you click on that Amazon link, if you're in the United States, oh, man. One of our fine Australian listeners was like, oh, does that Amazon link work for us? I was like, no, sadly not. They changed their terms of service a couple of years ago. So only if you're in the U.S. and you use that Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com, a little bit comes back our way and allows us to continue to do things like this week after week. And speaking of things that we do week after week, it's time for some reviews. Yay! So I had a chance to pick up the brand new Broken World number one. This is by Frank J. Barbieri and Christopher Peterson uh, is the artist. And this is from Boom Studios. And what this is, is that a comet is this picture. This this is one of those doomsday scenarios. Oh, great. A giant asteroid or comet is about to smash into the Earth. Mm -hmm. And they have figured out that um, the governments of the world have decided that we can load everybody up onto arcs and send them out into space. Uh, orbiting the Earth outside of Earth's orbit so that when the asteroid smashes in and kills everybody, we can live safely until the Earth is ready to be repopulated and we can come back down. Problem is, uh, in these kind of stories is, well, how do you decide who gets to go? And this story takes us an introduction to a young lady who is forging some documents so she, her son, and her husband can all get aboard one of the space elevators and go up into space. And this is like 24 hours before the big event is supposed to occur. Of course, everybody's freaking out. The pop, the remainder of the populace is just going nuts. Everyone's saying that it's doom and gloom and it's the end of the world. And it does bring up some very cool moral questions about, yeah, how do you decide who gets to go and who doesn't get to go? And what should people be doing uh, in if this is indeed the final days? There appears to be kind of a um, sanctioned suicide religion that is that springs up that the government's like, yeah, go ahead. If you guys want to kill yourselves, that's fine. And so it really asks a lot of these really weird moral questions. And then just when you think everything is going to come to the end, the asteroid just misses the Earth. Oh, no. And so now what happens? When you thought you were going to die, and it ha- and most of the population's up in space, what happens next? I bet you come back to a broken world. <gasps> broken world. This was a title drop. This is, I think that's when you're either supposed to drink or clap, and I forget which one. This is a four issue miniseries, like I said, from (laughs) Boom Studios. I thought the writing was really good. I thought it did bring up some really cool 
uh, questions about ethics and morals and what we would do in, if we were uh, faced with one of these doomsday kind of situations. I thought the art was fantastic. And I'm giving this one four out of five slices of meatloaf. It's Broken World number one. It's out this week from Boom Studios. Matthew, um, Dynamite Entertainment has been doing some crazy mashups as of late. But uh, Lady Rawhide and Lady Zorro number three is not part of this whole Swords of Sorrow uh, event that's taking place. It does not seem to be, no. No, it's not. This is separate and distinct. Uh, Written by Shannon Eric Denton, art by Ray Viegas. Lady Rawhide, who was created in the 90s as a female counterpart of Zorro, and Lady Zorro, who I think was created later as a female counterpart of Zorro, have now teamed up. Now, this is issue three of four. Uh, And I picked it up specifically because I have a tendency to get into that third, you know, act of the story and be like, well, here's where I pick up the story. What's going on when, and, and, you know, I hate doing that. And that's why I'm here. Uh, (laughs) In this issue, the, the respective ladies, Zorro and or Rawhide, have teamed up to track down slavers who have captured a whole bunch of young ladies and are taking them somewhere for nefarious purposes. They're all Native American uh, characters. As the story begins, they do something that I really love. Um, Having read some of the recent Lady Zorro comics, I think they did a really good job of kind of differentiating her from Lady Rawhide, who I read in the 90s. And these first three pages are the two characters kind of grating on each other. And driving through a uh, blizzard, chased by wolves just literally getting on each other's nerves, saving each other's backs. It's it's really kind of wonderful buddy comedy stuff until you realize that Lady Rawhide is practically naked. And again, they're in a terrible flying blizzard. Um, but they do manage to catch up with the slavers. I will say that the art in this book is really impressively creepy. Yeah, yeah. I read the uh, first issue mm-hmm. uh, of this and thought it was really good. There's a point in this issue where uh, ladies Rawhide and Zorro show up and the slavers are all like, ha ha, we have you outnumbered and we are bad. And Lady Rawhide is like, dude, you're about to be killed and eaten by wolves. And they're like, ha ha, you're stupid. Then a wolf kills one of the guys and drags him away. And then the other guy's like, how do we know there's not only one wolf? And she grabs a torch, throws it out, and we see literally hundreds of wolves just across the horizon, glowing yellow eyes and, and just ready to rip them all to pieces beautiful moment and then the torch goes out and as the torch goes out you just see those glowing eyes in the night it's terrifying it's really terrifying um because it is the third chapter of four it's actually relatively easy to get into but it ends with the big biggie big climax you know the moment that next issue is going to wrap everything up theoretically So we end with the great big moment that uh, Lady Rawhide and Lady Zorro have managed to catch the bad guys, take out the bad guys, and free the women that they're trying to free. And now they may be in a much worse situation than they've ever been in the first place. So I actually kind of want to read issue four now, which... If you haven't haven't read the first issue, I didn't read the second issue, but the first issue Mm -hmm. is kind of the same way. They, um, Of course, it starts down in San Diego. And, right. uh, Don, Di- uh, what's his name? Don, Di- uh, Don Diego de la Vega. Yeah. 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 He is up in, in Los Angeles building a new mission. So ah. he, he's not around. And of course, then that's when the slavers show up. And by the end of that Zorro's first issue. Of yeah. And then by the end of that first issue, they're also kind of in a surrounded by nefarious peoples and it kind of ends in a nice cliffhanger that way. So it seems like there's some kind of, uh, 
they're always <laughs> getting in trouble by the end. Oh, yeah, that's the cliffhanger. Sounds like a fun book, though. Yeah, and, and the thing that's interesting, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, isn't Lady Zora like a really, really recent creation? I want to say she is, but I'm, I'm not I'm not up, all up on my Zoro like I should be. Well, that's all right. Nobody is. It, it kind of feels like, and I may be wrong, but it feels like Lady Zoro was created as a placeholder when they thought they didn't have the rights to Lady Rawhide, but it turns out they do. So now they have both of them. And this series does a really good job of playing them off of each other and showing why they are different and why you might need, in a narrative sense, both characters to exist in Zoro's world, which is really awesome to me because you'd think, you know, your first thought going into this is, is this going to be a cheesecake book? It's yeah, not, yeah. not. No, it's not. I uh, do like that. I gonna, I'm going to go three and a half slices of meatloaf for Lady Zoro and Rawhide. Okay. It says uh, Lady Zoro's first appearance was in Zoro Rides Again number 10 in 2012. Mm -hmm. The cover of the issue yeah. is made up to look as though it says Lady uh, Zoro Rides Again. She was created by Matt Wagner and John K. Snyder III. I do like Matt Wagner. There you go. All right, so three and a half slices of the old meatloaf. Yep. And uh, Rodrigo, I was betting money. I was like, if Rodrigo doesn't re review this book, I'm going to mm -hmm. have to have words with him. Yeah. <laughs> with Jurassic World just around the corner. Right. I know everybody's talking about dinosaurs. Yes. And things that aren't dinosaurs. Yes. But what's what's this about dinosaurs in, in Egypt? Uh, so, yes. Age of Reptiles. Ancient Egyptians, number one. Mm, Dark Horse <laughs> Comics. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, if you've listened to the Major Spoilers podcast for a long time, we've discussed the uh, Age of Reptiles series mm -hmm. um, before. It is a comic that has the following things going on. It's about dinosaurs, and there's no actual text. Yeah. Mm. So it's all just... Pictures of cool mm -hmm. dinosaurs doing cool things. Um, it's called Ancient Egyptians because it is set in uh, the swamps of what ah. is present-day Egypt. I see. And ah. Northern Africa. That's why it's Ancient Egyptians. Right. Not our Ancient and, Egyptians. And because <laughs> it centers around uh, basically the protagonist of this seems to be a Spinosaurus uh, and specifically a Spinosaurus Egypticus. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, t the titular ancient Egyptian is in fact a dinosaur that was found in Egypt and thus called Spinosaurus Egypticus. There you go. Cool. Obviously none of this comes out in the book oh, but because you're there are no words. You're yeah, you're, you kind of have to know this going in otherwise it makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah. If you actually expect that there to be some kind of Egyptian tie into this, there is not. Okay. Um, so uh, the story so far is dinosaurs are like rah, 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 rah at each other. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what happens in this book, which is great. Um, the art is really good. I like personally, I feel that I don't know how long it took because I, I, I picked it up as a trade, but. Um, I don't feel that any of the Age of Reptiles books have had the same just like ridiculous art and color that Tribal Warfare did. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just that thing where it's like your, you know, whatever your first completely silent dinosaur comic is ends up being your completely silent <laughs> dinosaur comic. Um, but 
Um, it, uh, I, although the art is fantastic, it's not really quite what tribal tribal warfare was. And I don't know if it's the colors. I don't know if it's just the art. I mean, it is lush. Like everything here is just really thoroughly rendered. Yeah. Um, a lot of this happens underwater. There are a lot of underwater shots, which include just tons and tons and tons of um, bubbles, bubbles and prehistoric fish and all kinds of cool things. Um, I think honestly, a big part of uh, my um, my issues with the art, which again are not really issues, I just don't think it's as good as it was like in that particular volume. Um, kind of come because rather than focusing on like small scenes, there's this focus on like big, broader panoramas. And if you read, read, if you looked at, I don't know, if you looked at <laughs> the previous, I don't know if it was the previous one or the one before, I like the Great Migration. That one had just like thousands of dinosaurs yeah, yeah. in any given shot. Yeah. And it was about like giant herds of multiple species of dinosaurs migrating together. It was pretty crazy. Um, in any case, uh, this book is has exactly what you want if you want a dinosaur book. It has dinosaurs. It has dinosaurs being violent at each other. It has... Um, does that have raptors riding, uh, running next to motorcycles driven by uh, Star-Lord? It does not. Oh, I'm out. So... Um, in that sense, it's kind of a good story about dinosaurs. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there, I don't really do not really have any complaints about this. Um, like with all, uh, age of reptiles books, you kind of have to like read through it a few times to get the story beats because it is hard to do that without text Yeah, yeah. and with characters whose faces aren't human like with characters with like giant snouts, like they, um, uh, what is his name? Uh, Ricardo Delgado does a good, a really good job with their expressions, but sometimes it's clearly challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because the you know characters have enormous snouts mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, altogether, I'll give it four slices of meatloaf. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Um, so yeah. Definitely, if you can't wait till Jurassic Park comes out, pick it up. And if you can, pick it up anyway. Yeah, I think this comes out this week. So I Jurassic so. Park's still two yep. weeks away. Yep. Plenty of time to get in on some dinosaur action. Uh, speaking of dinosaur action. Yes. Uh, Airboy was a comic first published way back in the day. Yes, back according to Wikipedia, 1942. There oh, you that's go. That's when he was first introduced <laughs> in Air Fighter Comics number two. Correct. I looked that From up. From Hillman Publications, my friend. Yes. Good stuff. Yes. It was created by uh, Charles Biro, Dick Wood, and R.S. Al Kami. And now, and I now did there's it. a new series coming. But coming yes, uh, none of this did I know when I picked up Airboy number one. I saw Airboy <laughs> was coming out from Image Comics. I said, "Hey, new thing from Image. Let's just read it and let's just go for it." Yay! When I started reading Airboy, I was very confused because I thought, "Well, this just must be a..." like a little forward before the book of the writer of said book talking to an executive at image comics about creating Airboy. So this is strange. <laughs> um, but after about five pages, it didn't end. And then we were introduced to the artist of the book 
I was reading, and they were talking about, or at least the, the writer was trying to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no ideas, fair boy. His apparently then wife, now ex-wife, says, well, why not bring in the artist and shake things up? So then he brings in the artist to try to generate some ideas on Airboy. And then I just, I'm just, I'm just in it now. I'm in this weird meta world that is Airboy number one. And I'm watching James Robinson and Greg uh, Hickel. They go out and they're doing coke and they're drinking the, and then uh, Greg feels bad that James bought the coke. So we went buying more coke. The next day we figure out it was laced with heroin they did some acid or LSD. I don't know. They did some more drugs. They found a woman at a bar and they had a threesome with her. And this is, that's, I mean, that's a good chunk of this book. Mm-hmm. You're like, what am I reading? What, what, what is happening? All the while we're talking about, we should probably work on, they get a hotel room at one point to try to figure out what they do. And then I had a moment that I said, what? the f word is happening here when <laughs> airboy <laughs> stumbles in through a window and saying how <laughs> what they're doing will not be tolerated it is the whack and i and i wasn't going to spoil it and say airboy was interacting with the creators but it's right there in the solicit once i read it yeah uh yeah. and it is just a wackadoo ride this entire book and it is absolutely wonderful and i don't the fact that it's so <laughs> it's absolutely meta. it is meta and it is completely raunchy it oh, is oh yeah there's a lot of uh, nudity there's a there's a couple panels of just full full man penis i man penis um just all up in there i mean there's a threesome there's drugs it's, it's like what and and then you it's like a semi biographical nature so like what, what how did this, did they pitch this book or did they really come to them saying they want to do a reboot and they didn't happen and some of this happened well, like, what is happening like what happened in their real lives to stumble on or to make this thing it's it, very I don't know man I'm looking at it and it looks like color plays an important part in this story as well because everything is this weird shade of like uh Green yeah, and, green, and green, tan, blue, tan thing, yeah, yeah. And then it's only at the very end when Airboy shows up that he is in complete color, yeah. And everybody else is in, you know, kind of this shades of gray, yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm sure there is some hallucination implication due to the pile of drugs they did. Maybe. Um. <laughs> yeah, but did these guys hallucinate Airboy in their real lives? I don't know at this point. But it is just nuts. Uh, it's it is so again. It's just it's almost too meta, but it's not because I uh, for me I still enjoyed it. Where James is talking to Greg about how he wanted to bring in this a cool hip artist to really shake up like the look of the book and not something really seen before with Greg Hickel from what I can find out really hasn't worked on very many comics before, but he has this really interesting style that works perfectly in this weird balancing state of what is fake and what is real because everyone looks normal, but there's just always something slightly off with them. It seems like, and that's pretty much the whole uh, world that this comic is living in. Uh, It is just, it was really fun. I haven't had that much fun reading a comic for a while. Um, I don't think 
everyone should read it, specifically uh, if you're uh, young um, or, you know, unless your parents say you, you can read it. Maybe steer clear away from Airboy number one because uh, there are drugs and sex and language frontals, and all yeah. sorts of things are happening in this book, uh, which seems kind of on par for Image uh, these days. Wow. I wonder if they're going to bring the Valkyrie into this. Um, that is a character I know from Wikipedia now. Yes. The yes. Valkyrie was Airboy's nemesis slash girlfriend who is extremely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pneumatic. And I'm one. Ugh. I'm wondering if having her in a book with uh, overt sexual stuff would be awesome or terrible. So now I have to read this comic. The, honestly, I got about 15 pages into this, and I said I will be honestly surprised if Matthew hasn't already called reviewing this book because this is <laughs> a Matthew book, 100. Uh, percent It is, and the great thing is, like you don't need to know anything about Airboy to get in this because they even spill out some of his history saying he was this golden age character and then like Moonstone or some publisher did a reboot thing of him in the 80s they talk about this um I mean they, they they go so far as at the beginning of the issue James is talking to the image exec and they're like we'll match your DC rate and so things like oh well now I guess I'll do it because I uh, uh it's just so strange and uh, I think people are really going to enjoy this. It doesn't say if it's a limited series or ongoing yet. Um, I have a, I mean, unless at one point it goes from meta story about them creating Airboy to a legit Airboy comic, which if they do that, that would be just fantastic. Uh, I don't know if they can pull out this story structure thing for ongoing. I don't know. It seems very interesting. I, I want to yeah. see where it goes. Uh, so I love this comic. I'm absolutely going to read more of it when it comes out next month. Uh, this is a five slice of meatloaf book for wow. me. Very cool. Excellent. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Matthew and Rodrigo. And listeners, if you're looking for more reviews, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Uh, you can find new reviews there every day, including a review of Alan Moore's Providence Number 1, which mm-hmm. um, basically is an H.P. Lovecraft story, or at least features H.P. Lovecraft in it, I think. But it has very high reviews from Chris. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, uh, but it is on my big stack of electronic uh, comics to read. So there you go. Listeners, if you like what we do with the shows at Major Spoilers website and all the shows that we do, and you want to help us create more, then please consider signing up to become a Major Spoilers VIP. For a very small monthly donation, uh, it will really help us out a, a lot. And those who donate even just a little bit, and sometimes a little bit more, you get access to additional bonus content over at members.majorspoilers.com. And, uh, of course, if you sign up and become a Major Spoilers VIP, you become a very important part of what we do here at Major Spoilers. Oh, that's what it stands for. Yes. So thank you, everyone, who is a VIP. And if you're considering, again, head over there, members.majorspoilers.com. to five ten dollars $10 a month. It really goes a long way for us. So there you go. All right. On to the poll of the week. Poll of the week. So check this out. Yes. You got the Pokeball, right? Right. It yes. lets you capture them all. I right. had Pokeball in college, but a little kind of silly. And then you got the Ghostbusters Ghost Trap. Right. Two devices used to capture things. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, Rodrigo, which is the better trap? The Ghost Trap or the Pokeball? Um, 
Well, it has to be the ghost trap. 100%, no question. Why? Because the ghost, like, if you ask which one's the better trap, um, there are very rare occasions. I don't know. I don't think we even see that in the movies. Like, the moment that those little doors close on the ghost trap, it doesn't open again. Yeah, they have to take it to the containment unit. They have to put it in the containment unit. Mm -hmm. Pokeballs, except for one Pokeball per game. Um, like always have the possibility that the Pokemon will get out. Mm. Not to mention that if you do catch them, you can let them out anytime you want. Sure. Also, sure. by simply opening them. I suppose them, you could let the ghosts out of the ghost trap. I I, I suppose you could as well. Um, but if we're looking at which one's a better trap, then by far the the ghost trap requires you to do a certain amount of work. But then again, so does a Pokeball. Because you have to beat the crap out of a defenseless, or not defenseless, but out of an innocent animal for a while before you can reasonably trap them and get maximum bang out of your Pokeball. So I really don't think the uh, the the ghost, I think the ghost trap is just, uh, as far as a trap, above and beyond the Pokeball. I went with Pokeball because the Pokeball allows you to catch all sorts of things in it. Ghost trap only lets you catch, capture ghosts. Pokeball well, lets you coast, catch ghost monsters and grass monsters and... Yeah, but it only lets you catch Pokemon. Well, it only lets you co- catch Pokemon, sure. Yeah. Comparatively, look at all the ghosts and Ghostbusters. I mean, there's <laughs> big green things, giant marshmallow things, naked lady monsters, <laughs> dog statues. Like, actually, the ghosts and Ghostbusters, maybe not as varied as Pokemon, but actually surprisingly varied. It also seems that with the Ghost Trap, you're causing a lot more collateral damage because of the... Uh, the proton packs that you have to I use suppose, to I capture the ghost. True. So I went with Pokeball. Zach, what did you go with? I'm going to go Pokeball as well. I think there's a versatility in the Pokeball that we're overlooking in that it can be clipped onto a belt. I don't know if the if the ghost trap can. It seems clunky in design. It seems more uh, Microsoft than Apple. Sure. <laughs> oh, uh, but the, <laughs> But the... Hey, it's still functional. It does its job. Right, right, right. It's just not a lot of flash to it. It, yeah. it it's a powerhouse. It it does what it needs to do. Sure. It's reliable. Actually, Microsoft can have flash. <laughs> yes. I oh, uh, the Pokeball, uh, like Rodrigo said, does have a thing where, you know, it looks like you captured it. But guess what? A little bugger's getting out. Yeah, didn't. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta like press down and B. I don't think it ever worked. I always did it. It doesn't. It doesn't. But it makes you feel super awesome when it works. Uh, that thing rattles around a little bit, and uh, then it cl- uh, then it'll finally close, and then you can, you know, do whatever you want, throw it at other people, and uh, send your Pokemon out. But I, I, I like the versatility of being able to throw a Pokeball and not having to really lure a ghost over the trap. Uh, Trap's got wheels, man. But you can you throw it? It's got to uh, it's got to land right side you, up. Well, yeah, you you kind of slide, slide it. it. It's like mm-hmm. a curling maneuver to I get the like trap curling. under the under the Especially ghost. Especially the whole part where you get the little brooms and you're like, yeah, that'd be great. First, you have to sweep under the ghost, you and you send them the trap. Matthew, it's up to you. All right. Well, here's the thing, and I think that this is something that no one has touched on yet: is when you're playing the Pokemon's, you know how you have. Six Pokemons of slots and six Pokeballs. I checked with my Pokemon expert, uh, Mr. Lopez, and, and I can verify for you that the one difference, the difference that, that put it over the edge for me was the fact that a ghost trap can, in fact, capture more than one entity at a time. Hmm. 
uh, as seen in the real Ghostbusters cartoon uh, episode. No, I'm not going to be that. Do anymore. they have to but, do that while it's still open? They have to catch them simultaneously, or can they catch it, deploy it again, and reopen the things? I, I think it has to then, be a simultaneous. Okay, thing. that's still yeah, that's but, still that's still a, actually a, a, don't advantage. in the first or second movie with the one with like the brothers who get electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Don't they catch the both movie. of them with they the catch same? Both of them with one trap. With the, yeah, yeah. So even in the mm-hmm. movies. Whereas each Pokeball has one Pokemon inside it. Yes. And you're limited to a number of Pokeballs because you only have so many pockets, theoretically, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure how the whole Pokemon thing goes. But the fact that you can, yeah, you can have multiple entities in your ghost trap, to me, gives it that functionality, gives it the additional edge to where they both have some serious downsides. Because with a Pokeball, like they say, they stuff could get out. With the ghost trap, anything can happen if Wally Wick turns off the power grid. So, you know, bad things happen. I mm. went with the ghost trap because I like uh, to keep things balanced 50-50. Yeah, 50-50 indeed. In fact, if you head over to the <laughs> uh, to the current ratings, which I'm very surprised on. I know, right? Split I thought the Pokeball right down people the middle. would come in and they would just, just tear this one Split apart. Split right down the middle, man. Has been all day. Yep. The only time which is it, weird because it was 50-50 at 75, which shouldn't technically be possible. Well, yeah. <laughs> Math. I know, right? 37 and a half people said <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. We have the Pokeball can capture ghost-type Pokemon. That's what somebody says here. I went the Pokeball because its design is so simple yet so iconic. Miniaturizing rock snakes and flying dragons for use as transportation and bodyguards is also pretty useful. Pokeball seems a lot easier to use, says another. Uh, I went with the Pokeball. Let's see. Uh, even Alicia says, despite the fact that I'm a huge Ghostbusters fanatic, she had to go with the Pokeball. Um, George W. even says, I've got to give it to the Pokeball. Kirby says Pokeball. So not a single person has pi- piped up in the comment section to say why they want to go with the Ghost Trap over yeah. the Pokeball. Looks so like, looks ghost like half Trap the, people. Yeah, half the people are just like, well, the Ghost Trap is self-evident. I'm yeah, not even going to bother with it. <laughs> Well, it you know, and the more you, you draw out this, if you draw out this PC Apple thing, that the Pokeball is Apple because yeah. Apple tries to upsell you. You have five different watches. That's true. Pokeball, all sorts of different That's types. That's true. There are all kinds like of different. Fish Pokeball. Like, what is that That's about? Right. That's right. I don't know. You'd have to ask my son. He played in a little Pokemon tournament I, online this weekend. So oh, get a little looking. There's like 23 different kinds of Pokeballs. That's ridiculous. Listeners, we need you to break this tie. Head over to Majorspoilers.com and cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Ghost Trap or Pokeball? I think we know the answer. Yeah, that's going to be the name of my first album. Ghost Trap or Pokeball? There you go. Yeah. Uh, sponsor this week, Tweaked Audio. As always, we love having Tweaked Audio as a sponsor. I did contact them last week, and I was like... Uh, you guys are going to come out with some Bluetooth headphones anytime soon? Maybe. Mm. That's, all I, that's all I could get out of them is maybe. But in the meantime, they have all sorts of styles, all sorts of colors, all sorts of really cool things over at tweakedaudio.com to make your listening experience that much better. I really prefer getting the ones with the optional microphone so that when you're driving down the, the highway or when you're on your treadmill or riding your bike, Zach, mm-hmm. uh, in your single gear speed, uh, you can answer the phone. Or you can dictate a, a memo to yourself. Hey, self, when I get home, remind myself that a single gear bike 
really sucks. Oh my <laughs> Some god. Some days I think that. <laughs> These things are designed for great sound, great dura- uh, engineered for great durability. And best of all, when you use the checkout code MAJOR, M-A-J-O-R, at tweakedaudio.com, you get 33% off your price. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for your support of the Major Spoilers podcast. Hooray. So this week is a Q&A session. Uh, just some feedback from general peoples and whatnot that we have in here. Paul says, I recently took the one-month free offer with Marvel Unlimited as I've been eyeing it up for a while, and we all know free is good. It meant suddenly I had access to a whole lot of stuff, and I wanted to read to broaden my education in comic histories, but didn't feel it was necessary uh, worth buying in physical form. Uh, for my cherry-picking Silver Age reading, I've confirmed that Namor is and always has been a total butthole. <laughs> that's, that's correct there you go since 1939 baby i also felt that in modern const- context i think stanley's writing falls short i've contemplated this and ex- uh, accept it's a function of the changes in era and method stan's work on for example avengers although it carried an underlying narrative was always geared towards a discrete and complete story in each issue whereas i've grown up in an area of era of story arcs over many many issues uh that seems to be uh, key. Modern writers have freedom and can work with long game, uh, work with the long game. Look at Mark Wade's uh, run on Daredevil, seven trades worth for a single story. Uh, you don't get closure every 28 pages. As you mentioned on Tooling Reviews, the one that uh, we did over the Star-Lord, whatever issue that was, the penultimate issue to uh, the Black Vortex. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, amazing Star-Lord number 11, I yeah. think. Every issue is someone first, and that is clear... Uh, showing through in the 1960s comics. While they reference previous happenings, you don't miss a single thing in terms of story if you jump in at issue 6 or issue 36. Uh, you also managed... Oh, you also mentioned on the Dueling Reviews that DC's offerings are struggling to break into the top sellers these days. For a while now, I felt that DC are on a wane in print. I haven't seen them... Uh, I haven't given them a second look in a very long time because their portfolio just doesn't stack up against Marvel and Image for me. Image are something special, though. The creator-owned freedom is exciting and gives you the hook uh, to my impulse purchasing. There's a lot in this email to respond to. Yeah, yeah. So where yeah. do you want to start, Rodrigo? Great email, Paul. Yeah. Um, so, I think we see. all agree Stan on the name more thing, so we can yeah, <laughs> set that aside. That. Okay. Stanley, yeah. uh, basically, the writing of the Silver Age is uh, much, much more condensed than yeah. modern day, and it seems like that is lacking in the older comics. The storytelling. I, I, well, to me, to say that it falls short, this comparison is kind of like, follow me on this one, it's kind of like comparing a cheeseburger to a rotisserie chicken. Mm-hmm. Sure, I can see that. I'm right? Follow, I'm, I'm following. Right. It's like, well, why would I buy a cheeseburger when I can just buy a rotisserie chicken? Um, It can feed me and or my family or me for several days. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 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 But it's just a completely different thing. It's like most of the time people don't compare those two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it is a different thing. A discrete cheeseburger is going to be presumably a great meal for that one time. A rotisserie chicken is going to give you more stuff. They're not necessarily priced the same. They're not created under the same circumstances. It's just kind of a different deal. Well, and also, too, there wasn't as good a distribution model in the old days as there is today. Right. And so... If you had a three-part story, there's a good chance that second part or that third part would never show up at the grocery store or right. the drugstore. And so you kind of did want to keep it done in one, and you never knew if there was going to be – even the publishers didn't know if there was going to be a next issue of Avengers or Spider-Man or whatever that it was back in the day. Um, but trying to do that done in one, I like done in one stories if they're done well. But as we've mentioned before on this show, a wall of text is sometimes – 
a turnoff. Yeah, so. I think Rodrigo's right about the just there's so many differences because what they Stan Lee and those guys did back then, uh, even though I'm not a big fan of, it works incredibly well for what they were trying to do. Like, yeah, you had a complete story there, but compare that. If you don't like that, compare that to now when there's 8,000 stories in one thing, people trying to tell like one arc in these multiple thing crossovers and everything's getting drug out farther and farther and spread thin. Uh, they were able and were told to essentially, you have to tell this thing in one story and that was what they did and it works. But yeah, the writing is just a wall. It's, well, it's just different. It's just different eras. What were you trying to say, Matthew? I think it's important to note that the modern narrative, the modern story arc deal is in some ways a Stan invention because previously to specifically Silver Age Marvel, there wasn't a whole lot of consistency from issue to issue. And what you got was mostly the consistency of status quo. Superman is Clark Kent. Nobody knows he's Clark Kent. Lois wants to prove he's Clark Kent. Uh, But other than that, his characterization can vary wildly. What Stan did was try and make the characterization in any given panel in any given page in some cases, important to where if you read three panels of thing, you kind of feel what the thing is all about. And he, I mean, he did invent the multi-part story as well. Well, invent is a bad word. Let me put it this way. A lot of what we see in the modern multi-part storylines directly comes off of what Stan and his collaborators, you got to mention his collaborators, did on early issues of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man because they changed the vernacular of what a comic book was expected to be. They changed the audience. You know, in the 1940s and 50s, they were shooting for eight-year-old kids. Stan was shooting for college kids. And, you know, now the audience seems to be 35 to 40-year-old men. And again, there are a lot of people who don't fit in those targets, but it's something where... As the things have changed, especially if you go back and look at some of the early, really, really wordy stuff that's establishing the Marvel Universe or changing the existing DC Universe, like we saw from Denny O'Neill in 67, 68, 69. Yeah, it's it's a different sort of it's a it's a completely different expectation. It's like saying that I love Lucy doesn't hold up to the standards of Breaking Bad or Community. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we touch on this so much in Zach on film. When you look back mm-hmm. at the films of the 20s and 30s, the, they're completely different from what they are now because they were still trying to flesh out that film language, which is kind of what mm-hmm. I mean, they're still essentially doing even in the Silver Age. They're formulating what sure. we have today. And, mm-hmm. and operating under assumptions that eventually those same writers or the writers that followed immediately were like, well, maybe these assumptions don't have to be true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like for example, exactly. this issue is somebody is always somebody's first issue. Eventually, they were like, well, who cares? We want to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. What are your guys' thoughts on this? DC is waning in print. I don't agree because uh, Marvel's always at like 35 to 36% of the market. DC's always uh, like 30 to 32% and everybody else kind of falls in between. Yeah. And of course, this week launches the whole new DCU, Y-O-U. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their campaign to bring readers back into comics. So I, I'm not sure that they're, I mean, certainly you may not find their stories appealing or you may not be as interested in them, but as far as competition goes, they still, yeah. they're still from, the ma- yeah, major from, juggernaut. From, from what I see, the numbers don't show that DC is waning, except mm-hmm. in so far as everything's waning. Right, right, right. Right. And I think that what you're seeing with DC is, 
Otter really likes to talk about event fatigue. Yeah. Where, you know, constant events cause fatigue. What you see with DC, and I feel it myself, and I'm a long-term comics fan, is when they relaunched in 1994 after Zero Hour, you got that initial surge of excitement that anything could happen. When they relaunched in 1999, you got that surge. You know, when they relaunched in 2005, when the entire universe relaunched in 2011. But as you get into it, no matter how wonderful Scott Snyder's work on Batman is, Batman number 40 does not immediately capture your eyeballs the same way Batman number one does. Part of that is the realities of marketing. Part of that is just the nature of the human animal of, I don't want to jump into something with issue number 40. So I think that not so much necessarily as being on the wane, but I think that in the cyclical nature of comics, we're starting to see... The cycle may be coming back down a little bit from what it was in 2012 and 2013 when everybody's sales were up. Mm, I I just see the numbers going up um, from month to month and year to year. So I don't know. I don't. I mean, as far as the comics industry in general, um, DC again still holds about a third of that, sure, that market sure. space. So I don't see them falling yeah. apart. Um, and it is important to note that Marvel's theory of of being the top seller has been since the 80s publish as much as we yeah. can publish as many number ones and event comics as we can capture as much of the market as we can regardless of whether that means you have nine issues of deadpool coming out in a given month yeah that is so, something else to kind of take into consideration when you're yeah. looking at those that market share data that we put up on the website each month is that Marvel does put out a heck of a lot more books than, right. than DC yeah. does. The, the thing is, Marvel routinely does 60 or 70 comics a month. Yeah. When, when somebody says, okay, guys, here is a rubric by which we're going to figure out who the top sellers are. Once you have that, you can change your publishing system mm -hmm. to game that. It's, you know, we see it. Everybody here, uh, likes TV, everybody's been involved in television, it sweeps, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like right. the moment that the ratings people were like, okay, we're going to take big readings here, here, and here, suddenly that's when all of the big crazy things happen. It's like, why aren't they saving these for the season premiere and finale? It's just like, because it sweeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, a while ago, I had mentioned that it would be a great idea. This is something I've been saying for years. Yeah. That... Uh, comic book companies and the movie theaters need to work together to figure out some way of synergizing, <laughs> get some synergy, go synergy going on. Showtime and, uh, synergy. Man, when Age of Ultron hit, <laughs> when Age of Ultron hit, I got a flood of emails and, um, and Twitter's uh, tweets about this. I forget who this, this is from Ian. He says, I signed up to Fandango.com as I've been using it to book tickets in my local theater. And upon looking, my ticket for Age of Ultron as a member of their site, I was also given a code to redeem uh, free digital comics on Marvel.com. I thought nice. I might get a couple of small random titles or maybe one or two Avengers tie-ins, but figured, hey, they're free, so why not? I got more than I expected. They gave me number ones of Avengers Origins, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch, Marvel Now, Black Widow, Marvel Now, Captain America, Hawk Hawkeye, Marvel Now, or I'm sorry, Let's see, Captain America, Hawkeye, Marvel Now, Hulk, Superior Iron Man, and Thor, God of Thunder. It adds up to be about $18 of free comics from a $12 uh, ticket. Nice. I have to commend them for handing out free jumping on points for all the major characters in the film. That was an excellent promotional choice on their part and a great way to pick up new readers. Here's hoping it pays off. So there, someone's finally listening. Yeah. I, I also said when when we watched uh, Furiosa in, in uh, Mad Max, I said... Uh -huh. 
oh, I want to see her be Captain Marvel. Yeah. Guess what the, the rumor mill is running up uh, today. What, Mad Max will be Captain Marvel? Yes, Mad Max will be Captain Marvel. Tom Hardy is Carol Danvers in Marvel's Captain Marvel. It'll be interesting to see if that pays off, but uh, I think she'd be great as it. In, in oh, it, so. sure. I'm oh, not yeah. too thrilled about this news about potentially The Rock. This is all rumor and speculation right now, but The Rock starring in a remake of Big Trouble in Little China. As Well, in, in his as defense... Lopan? No, not as Lopan. Because that would be awesome. That'd be awesome if it was Lopan, but no. It will likely be a completely different movie that bears no resemblance other than the title. So you got that. Well, see, they've already secured they've already secured the permission to do it from the studio, and Uh they've got a writer on board now writing the script. My fear is, and this is what you this is what I think people should take away from it. If Hollywood wants to do a big trouble in Little China movie, I'm okay with that. If they're remaking Poltergeist like they did just a few weeks ago, I'm not okay with that, especially if they were trying to replace Kurt Russell with The Rock is Kurt Russell. That is, you were talking about John Wayne. Mm-hmm. The Rock is the modern day Kurt Russell. Right. Um, but um, the thing is, don't remake it. Make it a sequel. Change it. Sure, go ahead, change up The Rock is, is now playing the, uh, uh, the main character. Yeah, I but, think, but make it a sequel. I think the right way to do a, a new Big Trouble in Little China movie is to say, okay, it has to be exactly this ridiculous, but it, it shouldn't have the same events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, it's like, let's try to get in there some ancient Chinese gods, a beholder, and a yeti, but you can just mix it up however <laughs> you want. So a lot of tweets came my way this weekend from a variety of different people. I want to uh, read these off from last night. Uh, excited or frightened? And I basically said, make it a sequel. Um, but uh, Ryan said, uh, but as Zach was saying on the San Andreas Review, Dwayne is becoming the new John Wayne, just making movie upon movie. I think he's the, the wow. modern day Kurt, Kurt Russell. Um, and then Dave said that, yes, he would make uh, an excellent Lopan. Um, <laughs> uh, Chad says, yeah, sounds like a terrible idea. Maybe with Chris Pratt, I would, I would see it. What? Chris Pratt as the Kurt Russell character. Well, Chris Pratt's characters do tend to fit more into the uh, Jack Burton aesthetic. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I can uh, see yeah. that. Matt, Matt says, not a movie that has been begging to be remade. It's perfect, and it's all, all its cheesiness. I agree. The problem was Big Trouble in Little China, when it originally came out, only made $11 million in the box office. It only started making money after it went to right. um, the VHS yeah. and the uh, uh, premium cable channel networks. Uh, then, of course, Zach Miller, who runs Joe and Monkey, who uh, Joe, uh, Zach, I should say, I don't remember seeing that site being updated in quite a while. I got to dig on him. He's got to dig on me. Uh, what if they remake it, but it still stars Kurt Russell and takes place in Little Italy? Big trouble in Little Italy. Nice. I said, I nice. don't see that. That's a good movie for me. Then he said, what if it has Kurt Russell surfing a tidal wave and he jumps on a car driven by Steve Buscemi? Then I had to block him for a couple of weeks. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> then Joe jumps in on the conversation. What if it has Kurt Russell and he faces off against the World Crime League? At which point I just had to stick my fingers in my ears and said, la, 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 I'm not listening to you guys. Then Dave responds, big trouble in big China, Hong Kong Nights. Little trouble in big China, Hong Kong Nights. Little trouble in big China. <laughs> That's a good one. I was going to say like medium-sized trouble in medium-sized China. And then, and then I, I think his, my favorite one that he sent me, Dave said, or a Tom Hanks crossover, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Dwayne Johnson dancing on the giant piano. Here's the thing. I mean, 
Uh, did, we make you watch, while, did we make you watch Big Trouble in yes. Little China? Yeah, it okay. was absolutely yeah. absurd. It was insane, and it was great. The The thing that I always dug on, or like dug, is in the you suck, Doug, kind yeah. of way, oh. uh, on The Rock, was I didn't think he was very versatile. I thought he was just big, meat dude, sure. action, blow stuff up. But the more I kind of see him... St- in stuff, he is yeah. more versatile oh, yeah, than yeah, you yeah, think yeah. he no, is. He's, he's a really good actor. He's funny. Yeah, you he don't can... see it a lot because he gets typecast yeah. a lot. But The Rock mm-hmm. is actually a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I would like to see him in a crazy action thing that is also humorous and just wacky, wacky, wacky. Like Big Trouble in Little China. Does it have to be this movie? No, because. Let's be honest, they're probably not going to do weird neon signs at the end if it's 2015. Oh, God, that would be so awesome if they um, But something like well, this for The Rock Well, it's just like, okay, fine. so let's just say this. What about The Rock in a remake of They Live? Yeah. I, I mean, that is. I can see that. It doesn't have a very good title. Big Trouble in Little China is a way better title. You've not seen They Live? Oh. Yeah, we've been over this. God dang it. <laughs> I told you we should have brought in crappy movies. Uh, ah, they Live is not a crappy movie, though. <laughs> they Live is a very crappy movie, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. I love They Live. It's crap. So what we'll do is we'll lock Zach in a satellite with two robot pals, and no. Steven can send him cheesy movies every week. No. Connor says my this- question is, is from an 11-year-old, so Connor is an 11-year-old. How do I get into comics? Please respond as soon as you can on the show or in return email. I think I did respond back to him in an email. This was several whiles ago. I think, I think the important ago. thing to keep in mind, Connor, is we love you. You're, you know, we, we love all the spoiler rights. None 15. of us are in comics. What do we know? <laughs> I, well, I would say, it, so here's the thing. Get into comics isn't reading them. No, I think he, well, the way I read it is he wants to write comics. He wants write to comics, yeah. get uh, into the comics industry, in which case it's right every day. If yep. you want to go ahead and write a Batman script, go ahead and write a Batman script. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Your first job in comics will not be writing Batman. So yep. develop or your own characters. You'll be writing a Batman knockoff. Develop your Don't own characters, that. even if it is Batman, uh, with a with a silly cape on or something. Um, <laughs> with a sillier cape on. <laughs> but uh, tell good stories and tell your own unique original characters, and you'll go, you'll go far. I mean, look at Mark Miller. I mean, all of his stuff has been based on taking ideas that have been around and tweaking them and twisting them and look at look at him. I mean, he's okay. making millions of dollars in the movies right now. Don't look um, at Mark Miller. You're 11 years old. Well, I think look at like, Mark Miller in seven years. I think he's like 15 right now. So, you know, but no, I mean, yeah, he needs to write every day. The same thing is true if you want to be an artist. Draw every day. Study drawing. Study the art of people that you enjoy. Make sure that whether you're writing or drawing, that you're reading or drawing things outside of comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because I think... just reading comics is not going to get you to a point where you can tell a story really well and jump into comics. Yeah, yeah. You definitely need to be reading stuff more than comics. Go read oh, yeah. some classics. Ooh, our uh, local Hastings had a reprintings of classic books that I almost picked up a bunch of them today. Oh, like on those indials? Yes, they, they are. Awesome. They, they've got like a leather cover. There are yeah. paperbacks, but they got a leather cover and it's printed out really neat. Yeah. I almost picked up a couple of those. But yeah, read the classics. And I know if we had Scott Johnson on here, you know, his style, his art style is very unique, but he comes from a very traditional art background. So if you're wanting to mm-hmm. do art, you need to go and learn traditional art, yeah. learn graphic design. Learn, learn the learn, rules yeah, learn everything. before you try yeah, to break yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Any other uh, thoughts All from you guys? Stuff. No, I just make good stuff 
all the time. Yeah, and make I would, good stuff all the time. And That's don't make advice. it in a vacuum. Put it out yeah. uh, where people and find good communities where you can post things. And some people, so like not YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't start on YouTube or places like that because people can be negative. Find out like a nice positive place. And people are going to give you honest feedback um, with whatever you're doing, yeah. art writing, and then that'll help. Yeah. And look at the people who are successful in comics right now. The big names of comics didn't start at Marvel or DC or even with superheroes. Your guys like your Bendises, your Ed Brubakers, your Gillen and McKelvey's even all started telling their own stories independently, sometimes cranking out the comics and making them themselves and, you know, doing what Otter does and distributing them to people personally. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't be afraid to make something and give it to people. And most importantly, if people are mean to you about your art, listen for anything that you think can make your art better and then go, thank you, and then curse behind their back. No, don't curse. You're 11. You can't curse for seven years, and then you can read the works of Mark Miller. Sorry, I have an 11-year-old, and I have a thing about cursing. Hmm. Did you want to throw something in there? <laughs> sure. Um, I would say probably a good exercise is to start with a little webcomic. Yeah, yeah. Start with a little webcomic, yeah. put it up. You know, people, like, if you make a little webcomic and put it up, nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to know about it. But um, get yourself into a pattern where you're drawing something, putting it up, drawing something, putting it up, drawing something, putting it up. Um, and launching a webcomic site is super easy and it's yep. super cheap. And so yep. I, yeah. I, I know um, my former boss's daughter, when she was probably your age and a little bit younger, she was drawing, drawing, drawing. And uh, she started a webcomic when she was probably your age. And um, she continued it all the way through college and that got her jobs later on. And she's yep. doing some graphic artwork and some comic work right now. So. Yeah making comics both the writing and the drawing side and especially if you're doing both is actually an inhuman amount of work Mm -hmm. it's a ridiculous amount of work for in an industry that is probably not going to pay you very well no so you have to i would say the number one thing that you have to do is start putting stuff out start making stuff start putting it up get yourself into a schedule and if it and if you love it then comics are for you if you kind of don't like it, then you really need to reconsider if comics are for you because it's mm-hmm. not going to get any easier for a long yeah. time. Nate writes in on uh, with a question that kind of follows up on that. If you could take 100% ownership where you write it, do the art, mm-hmm. et cetera, of a comic, what would it be? Uh, Nate says, the great Nate O says, he would love to do Green Lantern's Kyle Rayner uh, and take 100% ownership of that. I would love to take 100% ownership of The Flash, uh, Wally West, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just because Zach. Oh gosh. This is like the worst question ever for me. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there has um, to be some comics out there that you like Zach. Well, there are, but it's like, what would I yeah, what do would with you them? Offer? What I have well, no idea what I would ever do All right. Do so what's them? a, what's a comic that you really like? Like a, a non ongoing comic that you really like? He likes Chew. Like who do you I think, like who do you think would be an interesting writer to give that to? Like, Maybe just as a limited series. Um, I would give it to uh, just the guys that are doing Sex Criminal. I'll just let them take it. Sure, that's I mean, what I would. Yeah, do that's Sadarsky and uh, who's the other one? Um, it's Matt Fraction. Yeah, Matt Fraction. Fraction. There yeah. you go. Yeah, Rodrigo. Um, do I? Is it property? What was uh, the question? Is um, if you could take one hundred percent ownership of a comic, what would it be? Ooh, I would probably try to cheat and make it like justice league 
something like that Avengers. actually yeah something yeah. like that like a team comic mm-hmm. so that i could actually just like be like okay writers i like which would probably vary wildly but you have to do the writing and the and the art oh i have to do yeah. no no no. i, I thought well, I his got to question pick. says who writes it or who art oh okay so you own it and you decide who writes it. Oh, or okay, right, okay, right, right. Okay, so I, right. I would I would line up people I like and then be like, okay, here's the Justice League. It's like Wonder Woman, Jesse Quick, Etrigan, um, a brand new Space <laughs> Mollusk Green Lantern, and Man Bat. You need a flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse Quick's Wait, the flash. Jesse- yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, Man Bat. It's like, that's the then Justice write League. Write that for me. That's what I would do. <laughs> Matthew? Um, this one's actually easy because there's, there's one comic that I would love to have a hundred percent ownership of that. I would love to see turned around. It's fantastic Four. Oh, that book, that book has been myrtleized. That book has been treated so poorly since probably 72, the late 1990s. I wouldn't go since heroes reborn. Yeah. Since uh, there's been the peekaboo, uh, letter number four suit. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. The thing about Fantastic Four and the thing that is so, so frustrating that people keep hooking onto is at the point that some jack wagon, some Nimrod, some world class bozo said, hey, look, guys, they're kind of elemental. No one has been able to write anything else other than break them down in four opposing elemental families and have them constantly bashing against each other. And I hate that. So I would say Fantastic Four would be 100% ownership. I get somebody in there who understands it, first of all, and is willing to write a story about they're not really superheroes, but they are. And they're sort of science team adventurer guys. And yes, they are a family. But for the love of God, please stop making family the only thing that you can write a Fantastic Four story about. And more importantly, if I have 100% control, there will be no divorce. There will be no tease of divorce. There will be no hints of breakup. They will deal with their conflict in an adult manner as a married effing couple. Yeah, Johnny and Thing. Yeah, Johnny and (laughs) Thing. We're if finally going to make Thing that canon. A great because... comic-based band. Uh, yeah. If you could forget and read again any one comic story, art, graphic novel, or limited series, experiencing it like you were reading it for the first time, fresh uh, from the shelf, which one would it be? Matthew? See, this is tough, because my first thought is to say Watchmen. But mm. I don't know what 44-year-old... Matthew's perception of it would be as a, you know, opposed to the huge thunderbolt that it was for 17 year old Matthew. But I think I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Watchmen because of the way it unfolded for me. First of all, I read issue nine (laughs) and then went to 12 and then went back and read from one to nine and then read all the way from one to 12 because holy crap, it's a good story. I was going to say Dark Knight Returns, but you know that if Mm -hmm. I had never read that book, then I probably would not be into comics as much as I am. But uh, one that yeah, I... but you get to, like, forget know, it and but, read it. But the thing is, I think there's something that I like even better because when I did read it just several years ago, it was a total mind flip for me, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is how fun comics can be. And if I could just forget it, because part of it is a big mystery, if I could just forget it all, it would be DC's sure. New Frontier by Darwin oh, Cook. Yeah. I would love to read that all over again because of... All the little things that are dropped in there, the art style and the love that are given to those characters. I think that would be the book that I would love to just forget and then pick up again and, and read. 
Um, I think it comes down to two books for me. I think forgetting and then getting reading uh, Lock and Key again would be great. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was this limited like four issue series from Image um, called Infinite Vacation that came out. Oh like, yeah, two yeah, years I ago. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I absolutely loved and adored. And it was so, I just loved it so much. Uh, I would love to forget that and read it again and just feel like I did after I finished reading it. Uh, so that would be one of those two. It was Nick Spencer, right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the first volume of Runaways. Yeah, yeah, that was really good too. God, there's so, so many good books out there. I thought that if you'd be given a chance to forget anything, it would be Shadowhunter. Well, if well, I could, that, but the, but the thing that's is, a, that's the catch is again. like you have to like oh, the, you the have full thing is like you have oh, to read crap. it again and re-experience it. So maybe, maybe as like an exercise and like violent, like uh, having a having like an intense averse response to something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like how people like do that thing where they like hold on to like battery cables yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff to give themselves a jolt. Jameson's. Yeah, yeah Jameson's Shadow That was Hunter. what, Virgin Comics? Is that who published that? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Go back and listen. Yeah. I think it's like issue one or two. It's like one of our earliest. Yeah. It's one of the that first That was like five. issue three. It was before me. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what but, TV shows and movies are you most looking forward to in the fall? Uh, Ant-Man is a movie. Season yes. two of Flash is the TV show. Rodrigo? Um, is a new Muppet starting the, in the fall? Yes, it yeah. is. Oh, I'm very curious about that. The new Muppet show. And uh, movies, Star Wars, though I mean, gosh, um, probably Fantastic Four, like yeah. the most, yeah, 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 upcoming movie that I'm most most interested in, probably Fantastic Four. Zach, um, TV show, I'm really interested to see what they do with Last Man on Earth, uh, second season, uh, movies, uh, Quentin. Tarantino has his new film coming out. Um, there's a couple different things in movies like Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, if you listen to Zach on film, uh, one of the films I chose at the end was The Great Beauty by Pedro Sorrentino. He has a new film coming out that did well mm. in the in the film uh, festivals. So uh, that should probably come over here by that time. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, question, if you if someone decided to become a VIP member as a way to listen to the paywall shows I, through I iTunes. I totally didn't want to answer that question. Oh, sorry, Matthew. Sorry, because we're getting to the end. I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot you had a thing. Let me answer this one real quick. We'll come back. Okay. Uh, if I ever decided to become a VIP member, is there a way to listen to the PayPal shows through or paywall shows through the iTunes? Not yet, but it's coming. So that's what I will say there. Uh, Matthew, what about you? Hi. <laughs> what what TV show or movies are you most looking to, forward to in the fall? Probably, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, guessing, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing I'm, the movies that you're looking forward to in the fall are going to be Age of Ultron <laughs> when it comes out on HBO. <laughs> Uh, I think the Thor The Dark World should be coming around. Now, the thing that I'm looking forward to in the fall, uh, or actually, it's probably not going to be fall, it's later in the year, would be Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I really want to see what Episode Seven has to offer and whether it's going to be terrible or something awesome. No. And just, have you know. It's going to be awesome. I, I, don't, yeah. I think it's going to be awesome, too. I just, I, there's something about it that doesn't feel like the excitement I had for 99, but it, it feels like, man, this is somebody who understands... Though the mistakes that were made and who can guide that to the next level. You can't unring a bell. The disappointment of the prequel trilogy, the second three movies, 
um, really can carry with you. I'm still mad about, you know, all of the Anakin on the pizza and the Dr. Pepper for a year and a half. But I, I, I really feel like this is going to be a tipping point. This is either the point where I go, okay, I can now be done with Star Wars forever, which mm-hmm. I'm really sort of fine with because I'm old and I don't need new things in my life. Yeah. Or well, it could be the start of a whole new wonderful Star Wars era, which I'm also fine with because I'm technically 17, metaphorically. On, on and the then, plus of course, side, though, on the plus side, though, they haven't started merchandising the heck out of Star Wars Episode 7 yet like they did with yeah. the um, Episode 1. <laughs> Where right. literally almost a year before the movie came out, all the toys were on the shelves, and we already right. knew who all the characters were. And you're right, we did see because it's Star JJ Wars. and he's secret, secret. Yeah, there's a lot of secret, and I'm going to bet it's not going to be until, oh man, new holiday shopping will start taking will kick off in late September, first of October. So if we do start seeing stuff on the shelves, it'll be then. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to try to push it out at the end of July. I think TV-wise, I'm most looking forward to the Jim Gaffigan show. Mm. Oh, yeah. With uh, Gaffigan and H. John Benjamin and Michael Ian Black and, of course, Ashley Williams. Mm -hmm. Love Ashley Williams. Oh, is she in that? Um, Yeah, she plays uh, Jeannie. Oh. So she's going to be basically Gaffigan's wife. But my kid is super psyched about this because she loves Gaffigan from YouTube. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Gaffigan is hilarious. Yeah, he's really funny, and of course, she's really funny. Plus, you know, I can just watch, pretty much watch her read the alphabet, and I'd be fine. So. Yeah. Have you guys watched the new season of uh, Marin? No, I haven't yet. Haven't got to it. Have you watched, what was the other show I told you to watch it? You haven't watched yet. Louis. Uh, you entourage. finished True Detective? Oh, yeah, did you watch any Entourage? <laughs> no, I haven't watched any Entourage. Did you watch True Detective? Yeah, you I watched finished all of that. I'm watching Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> oh, Game of Thrones right now. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. watching Game of Thrones? I am. No? Well, I mean, we're watching Game of Thrones. I mean, that we're on the second season. I haven't watched the first four seasons, but I'm accidentally watching season whatever's on now. Five. Yeah. I'm not really digging it. I want to see, I want to say I've watched three seasons of it. What season are they on now? Five? Five, yeah, yeah. I've watched three seasons of it, and everything I've seen, like, in previews and stuff since then just makes me less and less likely to want to watch it. I, you know, after the first season, I started into the second season. It's like, there's too many characters. I'm not keeping these houses straight. See ya. Yeah. And I just left. Yeah. The thing is with, cause I read the first book a while ago and I loved it. It was one of my favorite books I've read and it added so much depth to the first season that I almost just want to break for like a year because that's how long it takes to read a, uh, one of those books because yeah. they're uh, like a like a tome and uh, read the whole thing and then watch the next season just because you I know you'll just get so much more from it, but that's just unrealistic. Have you guys have you guys seen the stuff for Sense Eight? Yes, yes, I have, and that starts yeah. this week, it right? Start? Does I think it? it starts this week because uh, I think Becky's already planning on doing. I was wondering who that was oh. because color me excited. Yeah, this looks great. In the first review I read from like the Hollywood Reporters said this allowed uh this pair who has been kind of fumbling around in film to really put the, what they do to the good use is it in m- this long thing is it m night no, no who it's is Wachowski's. it oh wakowski's okay yeah oh, cool it looks awesome it looks them's, like cloud atlas the Matrix, on like speed or something they're whatever it makes drug I, trips I, I, last longer i can see that yeah Cool. 
Um, it's, uh, it's concurrent Cloud Atlas. There's also yes. Ballers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ballers uh, is coming on to HBO uh, with uh, The Rock. Speaking uh, yeah. of The Rock uh, from earlier, that one looks interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else is really jumping out at me that I'm kind of interested in seeing. You know that Muppets thing surprised yeah, yeah. me. I've never watched the Muppets. Mm-hmm. I had uh, during the holidays we didn't know what to watch, and we were all just talking anyway. So I put the Muppets Christmas Carol on. I was watching a little bit of it. It was it was fine, or because I've never watched it before. But that trailer was funny, and so that's I mean that's something I'll probably check out at least a little bit. Yeah, I just like there's something about it where I'm like, if it brings like classic Muppet kind of self-awareness and like little edge of self-loathing into it, then it'll be great, right? <laughs> because they are they are going to be they are going to make fun of this like really now very like common uh like yeah, kind pseudo of documentary. Yeah, well, like, they, yeah, even the sitcom. Trailer, they? yeah, exactly. Yeah. They and they do it in the trailer. And I'm like, well, if they play it straight, it's gonna be okay because it's the Muppets. If they really dig into it, then it's going to be great because yeah. on top of everything, it's the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Do you think that right. it might suffer because it's who controls it all now? Is it Disney that Disney? controls everything now? I mean, because, you know, when the Muppets were on, that was a BBC production. Sure. That was our Studio Four or whatever it was Here, out of out of England. Well, yeah. The, was it really? And yeah. I get that. It was ITV, actually. Yeah, ITV. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing about the old Muppet show. The old Muppet show was lots of fun and super crazy, but also sometimes kind of yeah, generally no, stupid yeah, and just, boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like the the perfect thing would be the Muppet, the original Muppet show with more direction, yeah, yeah. right? Which you kind of see a little bit in like, especially the the more the more recent Muppet movie, mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, everybody everything's moving in a particular direction, and then it's Muppet hijinks and guest stars, and you know, basically what you want. I think the Muppet movies are a lot more like what we end up wanting out of the Muppets, um, like stuff like the Muppet movie and Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. And this show, I think, with the this is now an a the office style sitcom is going to give that to us. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you everyone for your questions and your comments. We love reading them. Of course, you can always send them to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And that wraps it up for this issue. And thank you, listeners, for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We're gonna be back next week with uh Pirate Eye. Because Yarr. we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Bad Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and forth my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler.
bitch like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.